Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And once again, I'm so glad to be here with you for this week's episode, which is another interview with an amazing woman in the middle who used her coaching experience to help her make a career change in midlife. My guest today is Carolyn Gillespie. Carolyn was feeling stuck in her career. Super common with women our age. Unlike many millennials and younger Gen Xers, many women our age have been in jobs a long time and we grew up valuing longevity and seniority. It's very different than it is today. And that is what totally happened to me. Now, I love coaching women on how to make a career change that brings them the fulfillment they're looking for. Carolyn felt stuck and wanted a new job, but she knew she needed to get some clarity about what she wanted going forward in her next chapter. And she also sensed she needed to gain confidence and get to the point where she even understood what her options were. Coaching together was super fun and very insightful. Carolyn was so ready to do the work. And what that means is that she was ready to dig, to ask herself tough questions and to be vulnerable. Ultimately, she figured out how to combine her past experiences and education together to find fulfillment. She combined it all. She set out to find a new job in 2020, and though it didn't happen anywhere close to how she expected it to, she was able to do it, and she's super excited about what opportunity she created for herself. I know you're going to be inspired by this interview, so get ready and enjoy. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks so much for being with us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hi, Susie. I am so glad to be here. I was so excited to have you on the podcast because you are one of my clients. And I love introducing the Women in the Middle audience to people who are really doing the work and are excited to share what the journey was like and what it's like to be on the other side. And I am, I'm just thrilled to share your story. And The main way I like to start these podcast interviews is to ask you, just to set the stage a little bit, what was going on for you in your 40s? Um, Just explain it a little bit, and then we'll take it from there. Okay, sure. Um, When I had my third child at about age 30, um, I had three kids under five and realized, you know, I think I want to stay home with my kids. So. Um, I left a job and that I was happy with, but I knew the right thing for me, me and my family was to, um, was to leave the workforce and to stay home for a while. And I did that for, um, let's see, probably three or four years. Um, and when my youngest started joining, he, and he went to preschool I thought, well, I should probably start contributing financially. So I, I went back to work, but I did it on a part-time basis um, with, you know, and those jobs were great for what they were, what I needed for my family again at the time. Um, 
but they, the jobs I was doing part-time weren't on the same level professionally as what I had been doing before I, um, I left the workforce. And so I felt like some of those skills that I was developing in my earlier years, by the time I'm in my 40s, I'm not doing those particular skills anymore. Oh, wow. So it's like you went to university and you picked up these skills and then you went to, to in your first early part of your career and you can continue to develop those skills. Exactly. Yes. And, and then um, I just kind of felt like I put, put the brakes on professionally um, and I didn't quite pick it back up where I had left off. And, you know, it was what I needed at the time. But after a while, I started to realize I was regretting that I actually left the corporate workforce to stay home with my children. And, you know, then I'm like, how stupid is that? I did what I needed (laughs) to do. But, you know, so I was like, obviously, I'm regretting there's something I'm, I'm not doing right here. Um, I, so in my 40s, I, you know, my kids started to get older, they started to reach adulthood. So I felt like, um, you know, I was kind of done with the, the, the heavy work of raising them. And so I could start taking care of myself again. Um, so I started. And what did you go to school for? I went to school for accounting. That was my degree. Ah, and then so when you were in the corporate world, were you doing accounting? No, I wasn't actually. <laughs> um, first thing, right out, of, right out of college, I kind of decided, I don't, I'm not sure I want to do accounting anymore. I don't know. Maybe I got burned out in my degree. So I actually joined the Peace Corps for two years, um, teaching English in uh, Central Europe, which was wonderful and amazing. And it kind of, you know, it, it started me off on a different foot, but I was able to use, you know, my skills that I learned in college, obviously, to then take uh, to work in a professional corporate environment when I got back from the Peace Corps. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, so I was able to, um, I was able to start doing some things for myself, but I just was really uh, professionally dissatisfied mm. when in my forties, and I wasn't, and I was stuck. I mean, I and I didn't know, I didn't know that I could do anything else because I thought all oh, my skills are kind of stagnant, and um, you know, I felt like my skills had grown, you know, uh, stale, and I just wanted to feel like I was making a difference, making a contribution somehow in a way that I didn't feel like I was, I was able to do. Wow. What you're describing, I think, is so common. There's so much of a push and a pull in terms of responsibility and raising a family and you have this education and you want to make a contribution, you want to be there for your family, you want to be fulfilled. And that feeling of um, not growing and not like doing what you're capable of doing when you're juggling all of it, it can really be confusing. You know, you used um, the word stuck, which is probably the most common way that women describe this feeling. It really is. How long did you feel stuck? Oh, probably longer than I even recognize. Um, But definitely, probably for five years. Hey, me too. Five years. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it amazing when you think about it? Like, Five years of feeling just not excited about what you're doing professionally and where you're going and how you're growing. 
like in hindsight, it feels like such a waste of time. When you're in it, it just feels so murky and confusing. Right. And just kind of um, like my life was over. It, you know, at least the, the good part of my life was over. And what did I have to look forward to? Oh, right. Like the best is not yet to come, my friends. <laughs> right. The best is, you know, in the rear view mirror and I'm headed long towards not the best years. <laughs> it's, you know, again, that's something we all say it. Like how many of us have posted a quote on Facebook? Oh, yeah, the best is yet to come. But when we really push ourselves to check in with our thoughts about aging and our stage of life, a lot of us don't really believe it. I've heard that time and time again. To really believe that the best is yet to come is, I don't know, it's not really accessible to many people. And when you start to think that way, you just feel like you described, you feel down, like it's just not the way you're normally showing up in the world. Right. Yeah. It was very confusing for me. I, I just remember when I was thinking back, it's like, yeah, I used to be content and now I'm not. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, you know, and the, you're like, where, where did my contentment go? What happened? What? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the same job and it's just not cutting it anymore. And so that's, um, it is really interesting. Now, I know with you, something that was always really important was your hobby. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, singing, I think is what you're referring yeah. to. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, that was actually, that probably was one of my saving graces that kept me going. Um, I sang, have sung in, you know, since college. Actually, it is probably the one thing I can honestly say I have done for at least 40 years, if not more. Um, I, I sang as a child and all the way up until now, I, now I'm not singing as much um, because of the pandemic. It's kind of hard to actually <laughs> um, be in a choir. I'm actually a, a choral musician. Um, so I sang with a local community choir here. Um, and I've also sang with my church and my church choir and also with our, with our praise team. So that is so is a way that is a passion for me that I have been able to keep. And I've done more, you know, when the kids were little, I did stop for a while, but it, I didn't stop for long. <laughs> wow. And what part of the world are you in again? I am in the Kansas City, Missouri area. Mm, that's right. Yeah. So that hobby, that ability to connect with something you really love, I'm sure that played a pretty big role for you when you were feeling so stuck. It did. It did. Um, it was a way of, of connecting with others um, outside of my little, my little world, my, my little work world. Um, and I had, I had friends and, and just a way to share something that's bigger than, than me. Yeah, that's so good. And then what happened um, with the pandemic for you? How did that play out? Well, um, it... I thought, well, I wanted a new job in 2020. Even before the pandemic started, I'm like, okay, this is the year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a new job. I, I'm going to try to find something new for me to do um, that maybe will give me more fulfillment. And, um, but then when the pandemic hit, I thought, yikes, uh, maybe I should just stay put where I am. I mean, I've got a job. I know a lot of people are losing their jobs and I've got a job, so I'm just going to 
stay where I am for now. And, you know, maybe I'll figure it out next year or whenever this is over. Um, and then my employer um, decided that he needed to reduce my hours because of, because of the pandemic. Um, so I, I ended up not being totally laid off, but not having nearly as much work and as much time um, at, at my job. So with my hours being reduced, um, I thought, well, after the shock wore off, that this would be a great opportunity for me. It took me a while, um, but it would, would be a great opportunity for me to actually now find a new job and have the time that I feel like I could devote to it. But I knew that I couldn't do it all by myself. I needed some help. Right. And that's, I guess, we connected somewhere in that phase. Um, yeah. yeah, we we actually connected just before the pandemic, I believe. And and I was like, I, you know, I was feeling, you know, um, unsettled and I knew I needed I wanted a new job. I think I told you that. Yeah. Um, in 2020, that's what that's my goal. I'm going to get a new job. And then and then we started working together. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Susie, <laughs> <laughs> I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> So let's take a little step back. And when you were starting to realize that you needed some help, it, are you the type of person that uh, when you need help, you just get the help? Or were you resistant to the idea? Or did you even understand what kind of help was available when you were feeling so stuck? I was resistant to the idea. I, I admit it. I felt, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, suck it up. You can handle this. You're, <laughs> you're a big girl. You can do this you know, you can figure this out. You're smart. And um, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, but I, so I thought I, I could, I could figure it out. And I was, you know, I had listened to Brooke Castillo's podcast, um, you know, trying to glean all I could off of that to kind of help maybe help me figure it out. But, you know, I, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna try to hire somebody to help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I also felt that way. I mean, back when I was in my funk, I don't even I mean, I know there were podcasts available, but I I had no clue. I didn't I, I really didn't know anything about coaching. I wasn't very familiar with mindfulness work. I mean, I um I'm 57 now and my funk was between 45 and 50. And technologically speaking, podcasts are so much more popular now and accessible. So that's amazing that you found your way to the Life Coach School podcast. And how did you even know to look for that podcast? Somebody in a group that I am, I was in on Facebook. Um, I'm, a, I'm in, I'm also into fitness um, and I'm in uh, several fitness fa Facebook groups and, but they also work on, um, you know, personal development kinds of things. And I, somebody said, Hey, you should check out this podcast check out the Life Cult School podcast. And I started way at the beginning. I mean, you know, so I, she was still recording, you know, and I went back several years just to listen to how it, how it all got started. And, and that, and going through that process, I was like, you know, this is some good stuff, um, but it was hard to apply it um, to my life every day. And through listening to that, I ended up hearing your podcast with her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that was 
That was a high number. So you must have been through many of the numbers, <laughs> many of the episodes by then. <laughs> I guess so. I don't, I don't know. And I probably skipped around some, but, and maybe I saw something about, you know, that the, in the description about the midlife coach. And I was like, yeah, I'm in there. I, I think I'm feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to call it a midlife funk, you know, when it's just something is off and you're just not as content as you used to be. So you heard that podcast. Is that how that's actually what brought us together? Yes. Yes. And then I kind of, uh, I went to your website and kind of lurked there for a little while. Lurking um, is good. <laughs> <laughs> And um, then I saw that I could have a, uh, a session with you. And I thought, well, you know, that can't hurt. I can, I can do a session and see, see what that's like. Not too scary. No, <laughs> you know, it was a little scary. I'm, I'm not used to reaching out, but I thought, you know, I, I know I, I, I need something. For me, I, it was more of a, a just a, more of a, a redirection in my life as opposed to um, really working on some really deep-seated issues. It was more of a, you know, how do I get my how do I get my mojo back? Yeah. Right. I love that word redirection because that that is a lot of the reason that um, clients come to me. It's a redirection. You were like a ideal client, right? Because you were reinvention is one of the words that people use sometimes. They just need to get their mojo back. They don't know what they want. It's really about going forward and figuring out uh, what you want to do next. That's a, a very common reason that right. people are looking for help. I was very definitely like, okay, what can I, what can I do next? I, I, I felt like I had run the current situation into the ground and I needed to find something new. Mm, finding something new. And isn't it funny because when we're, when we're younger, it's not hard at all to find something new to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. My, but all of a sudden, it's my like, kids, ah! <laughs> my kids all have a million things that they want to do and they can't figure out, you know, how to settle on one. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not sure what I want to do next. <laughs> it's so interesting how it changes. Uh, and, and like I said, you're not alone. This is a very common reason that people need help. And it's what I needed help with, too. When I was in my funk, I thought I knew what I wanted, kind of, like I knew I wanted to work with people one-on-one, -on -one, but there's a million ways to do that. <laughs> and I was just so confused and, and I really didn't know what to do. And in fact, I couldn't think of another time when I was quite as confused as I was at that time. So I really um, thank you so much for pointing out that there's this realization that you're not alone. And that it's not always comfortable to realize that you need a little help. Um, you know, a lot of us get a lot from podcasts and we love podcasts and we love self-help books and we love all that kind of stuff. But to consume the information, just to read or listen to the information and then to actually make a change, it's not the same skill. <laughs> it's not the same skill at all. And uh, so it sounds like you were picking up on that. Like you love the podcast, you love the insight. Uh, but to apply it to really figure out what you wanted to do, it sounds like that was where you were mm -hmm. sensing that a little more guidance would be useful. Right, right. And so then when I had the the call with you and we started talking, um, I knew I was I was hooked. Uh, I just had to figure out how to make it work for me. Um, and so you and I started to meet then um, 
we did some private coaching and I joined the finally first club. Um, and it's, you know, it's been great. It's been, it's been life-changing for me. You've helped me figure out, figure out what I want to do, um, what I want to do when I grow up. (laughs) (laughs) I love thinking about it that too, but you know, what was so much fun for me was to, to be with you, uh, at the time where your job situation changed. And, you know, one of the things that comes up for so many is, okay, you've had a change at your current job. There are more hours now that you have available to you, <laughs> not by your own design. Um, but when you start to put yourself out there again and look for a job, just that can be really scary. So you started to explore uh, what might be available for you. What was that like with your resume and job, job interviews, all of that? Um, it was scary. Um, I, I, I wasn't sure, you know, I had updated my resume a couple years ago, um, but I wasn't sure at all sure that it was anywhere, you know, that it was a good resume. Um, so I, I ended up um, trying to re- retake my resume and just revamp it. Um, but I had listed a whole bunch of all of my things that I had done in every, all all of these jobs. And it was like way too detailed. And I didn't realize that, you know, I think times have changed and your resume doesn't need to be that detailed anymore. Um, So I ended up taking a, uh, I had happened to have a LinkedIn premium account (laughs) um, from my, from my previous job. Um, And so I took advantage of that because you can take, their trainings for free. So I took, I signed up for a resume uh, course, resume writing course through LinkedIn. So I did it entirely online. Um, It was supposed to be this uh, where you can rewrite your resume in a weekend. It took me more like a week or more, which I, at the time I thought, oh my gosh, this is so slow. This is so hard. This is awful. And I remember talking to you and you're like, what makes you think you have to do it in a weekend just because that's what the course is? <laughs> as long as you're doing it, that's what, that's what matters. And it was looming over your head for a long time that it was too big, too hard. And yes. then you pretty much solved the problem pretty quickly. I basically, you know, and with that resume, I chucked out the old one. I threw in a new one and, and I used it then and started to apply for jobs. Um, the problem was also trying to figure out, well, what kind of job do I want to apply for? Yeah. Um, and that's where that was a big factor with working with you that helped me figure out what exactly do I want to do? I thought about you, you helped me think to open up my mind and think of different things to do that I could do. Um, you know, I, I love to travel. So I was thinking about, you know, can I do travel? Can I do something with music? Can I, you know, I even thought about professional organization for a while. Um, Just all sorts of, you know, crazy, you know, I would consider them, some of them were kind of crazy ideas, but that's, that's what opened me up. Um, And I had always another passion of mine besides music was, um, doing things of to be of service like you know I like I said I joined the Peace Corps right out of college um and I always I had gone on some mission trips and just always felt so fulfilled when I was doing that type of work so 
it kind of made sense for me to actually look for something that I could do um, that would allow me to feel like I had a sense of purpose in my, in my work that was of service of some sort. Um, but, you know, and I wasn't sure exactly how to do that, but, you know, I had that accounting degree sitting in the back of my, in my back <laughs> pocket. And, and honestly, I had been able to do some accounting in my previous job, the job that I don't have now, but the one I was just, I was, I was making plans to try to change. I had been able to do some accounting work and, and that was the part of my job that I enjoyed the most as when I looked at it and I was like, well, maybe I should try to get back into accounting now. I'm not burned out on it anymore like I was when I got out of college and I enjoy it. And so I started to um, look for jobs that were nonprofit and that were, um, that, you know, had a good mission that I thought and that could uh, use my accounting skills. And wow. So it's really just a repackaging of your skills. Yeah. It's a repackaging of your skills and experience and joy. And I think the joy piece is the piece that's missing for so many people is to really think back, what are all the times in your life where you really experienced joy? That it wasn't an event that was traumatic. It was an event that was just, just joyful. And what are those things that you've always been attracted to? And what do they have in common? What are the patterns? And, and lo and behold, like if you would have asked yourself a year ago, if this is the type of job you would have gone after, you weren't even ready to think about it. No, no, I, I would have thought, oh, you know, I, yeah, sure, I have the accounting degree, but I, you know, I haven't used it. So are my skills even relevant anymore? Um, but it turns out that they absolutely were relevant. <laughs> <laughs> and even a thing such as a, a resume, which seemed like a barrier at the beginning, just like another big giant hurdle that's going to be a pain in the butt, even that was relatively easy to solve. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It, it, once I wrote it, and then I was able to easily tweak it. And, you know, I had like three or four different versions that I was using for you know, I mean, I didn't just apply to accounting positions, but I did pretty much apply to pretty much any anything that looked like a good fit for me, um, either that had a good purpose or that was some was some accounting positions. Um, and I found one particular one that was like, oh, this is the job that this is the job that I want. And I applied and I got an interview, but I wasn't sure it was going to turn out. But in the end, it did. And I am so thrilled. I've been here about three months now. Amazing. Amazing. And how many job interviews did you go on over what period of time? Mm. I, I, you know, I had several informational interviews uh, where, you know, just the screening interviews, um, probably five to 10 overall, I would say that actually, you know, that came through through the screening or, you know, some, and I had like some that were more legitimate. I want to call, you know, beyond just the screening. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had two that actually were in person, which was kind of scary in the pandemic, but most of them were online. 
Wow. And let's put that in context. This is during the pandemic, all of it. Yes. And yeah, about how many months thing. from the resume workshop experience to the job offer, how much time went by for that? I would say five to six months. Wow. Yeah, you did it. And what's so fascinating is that when I first met you, none of this seemed possible. Like you were in a very negative space about opportunity and about hurdles and obstacles and confusion. It's amazing what you've been able to do in a relatively short period of time with a worldwide pandemic to boot. Right. The fact that I was able to find a job, it, it, was, it felt like it was serendipity or you know, a God thing, whatever you want to call it. It just felt like it was definitely the right thing to do. Amazing. It's amazing. So now that you're on the other side of it, you're happily making a contribution in your new career. Um, what would you say the main lessons are that you learned? Because you really did go through a whole process of education and working and then taking time off to be with your family and getting jobs that weren't very fulfilling getting jobs that were professional, but then started to feel not like a great fit anymore, being in a big giant funk, being really confused, and then coming out on the other side of it fulfilled. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. Oh, gosh, it's such it's 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 a that's a good question, because there are so many things that went into it. Um, I had to look at look at this job change um, as, as an opportunity, like you said. It took me a while to, to, re- to recognize that. But this, this past summer, I was able to take every Friday off and enjoy it and give myself just the time and space to, to take the gift that I had received. Even you know, the, the fewer hours were, was actually a gift in the long run. Yeah. I didn't see it at first, for sure. But I, I was able to take full advantage of that. Um, and another big lesson that I learned was to allow myself the grace that I don't have to know exactly what I'm doing and I don't have to do it right now. I had, you know, I, I can take time to do it. Um, I have read uh, Tom Sterner's book, The Practicing Mind, and that helped as well. I know you recommend that book highly. And I, I would second that. I've read that book twice, which I never read a book twice. (laughs) It's so, so good because what you just described is so common that we just were so hard on ourselves. If we don't have everything figured out and we completely dismiss the value of the journey, the experience of getting there. Right. And working through the, the process of, of gaining the confidence in my skills and in who I am that it, it was that that took some time, but it was definitely worth the work and doing the thought work that that takes um, is, is, is good. I, I was able to um, recognize that I always have options. Oh my God, that is huge. <laughs> <laughs> and and funny story, I've been able, I had a, a friend reach out to me who was kind of unhappy in her job. And I was able to tell her, hey, you always have options. You're not stuck. And I'm sure she received that <laughs> so well. 
Well, I don't know. <laughs> it takes a while because you know, when you feel stuck, when somebody says you have options, you don't need to be stuck. Then it's like, well, but I, I don't have the clarity. Like we're so uncomfortable without the clarity that it's almost easier to be stuck because then you can blame somebody or something. I always blame this invisible person. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, not bl- I'm just blaming the situation. You just feel so hard done by yeah. when you're stuck and that you don't have the solution really clear in your mind yet. But we're so uh, we would never advise our children this way. You know, with the expectations we have on ourselves, we would never give that advice to somebody who who was stuck, who was a little younger than us. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Come on, just figure it out. You are completely worthless if you don't have a solution and a plan for your whole life. Come on. (laughs) We would never say that. Right. Right. And but yeah, we yet we expect it of ourselves. Completely. Um, I, I one other thing I noticed was that. I had been kind of basically just living on autopilot for, you know, most of my adult life, just kind of going and doing, you know, and it's hard not to do that when you have, um, you know, young children at home and you're just, that's your main focus. Um, But when, you know, their needs of you start to change, then your needs of you start to change. (laughs) And, and, but I didn't even realize how I had gotten into the position I was in and how I felt so stuck. So taking a, being able, being given the gift of time to be able to step back and, and look at what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be was invaluable. And, um, you know, Hard as it was, scary as it was, it was so worth it. And I am so glad. And coming out on the other side with a positive result is just, is the best thing ever. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And um, the other thing that I've seen with your process is um, the way you've really embraced the group in the Finally First Club. It's been really fun to watch. And I've seen this with other people, too. It's like it's so unusual to be with a group of like minded women who are so um, vulnerable and focused on growing together. You know, like in our normal lives, you don't find that many people doing the same thing in terms of vulnerability and pushing themselves and questioning long held beliefs and you know, you might be one or two of you doing it or you might feel alone, but you're with like in the Finally First Club, you're with a whole group of people who have committed to do this kind of self-development and you're all at the same age and stage of life-ish, right? So what has that been like for you? It's been, it's been wonderful. It's actually, um, you know, kind of like the buzzword these days is to find your tribe, you know, <laughs> find where you fit in. And, and I've, I had pretty much thought, yeah, I guess that's for other people. I'll never <laughs> find my tribe. You know, I mean, I find people that I like, but I don't, I don't have a tribe. And, and now I can say, you know, for, finally first club pretty much is my tribe. And um, I, I know you have, you have the star, you can upgrade to the star level of the finally first club. And I have done that. And I'm so glad I did that. That's more accountability. And just, I feel, 
you know, that's my like inner tribe. <laughs> Those ladies are just the ones we, we are so in sync and in the right place and working together to try to, to be the best women we can be. And that's been, it's been wonderful for me. It's so interesting because the star level is really putting a flashlight on accountability and your commitment to yourself at a nitty gritty level. So it's a smaller group of women who've decided that they want to really figure out, you know, why I don't follow through on the things I say I'm going to follow through on and to do it with compassion and curiosity rather than to be hard on yourself. What can you learn from what came up for you when you set these goals and resisted or when you found this goal particularly easy for you? Like to just really look at accountability and like you said, to become the best woman that you can be, to be who you want to be and show up the way you want to show up and know that you can count on yourself to be like that. And it's really fun. That's a new level of the membership that just um, just started a couple months ago. Uh, so fun. And I, I just love the way you're contributing and, and you're like a leader in the group. Like you're one of the leaders in the group because you've been there for a while and you're very comfortable contributing. And it's just so inspirational. Like I was saying, when you're with a group of people and there's authenticity, there's vulnerability, and anytime you feel alone and you post something in the Facebook group or you share something in a Zoom call, somebody always says, oh, yeah, that happened to me too. But sometimes people don't yet feel completely comfortable sharing it. So other people who are comfortable sharing it are very inspirational. And it's really a beautiful um, experience. And I'm so glad that you noted that. Um, one other thing that you said that I thought was interesting when you talked about your experience is being a beginner again and what that was like. Mm -hmm. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. It being a beginner, I, I found that when I felt like, like writing my resume all over again, I felt like I was a beginner at it. And I really felt resistance to that because I thought, you know, here I am, I'm 50 years old. I should know how to do this. You know, um, another a thing that is is kind of unrelated to this, but I was able to apply it in that way is um, I I took a I was in a running program um, where I was training to run a 5K, and I've I've run 5Ks before, but this was a program designed specifically to get you faster at doing them, and and I hadn't done one in a while, and and I was a little nervous about it. And I was doing a particularly hard run. It basically, um, you, you have like a program that runs, that tells you how to run. It's in your ears as you're running. So you have it on your phone and you just download it and you run. And she tells you to, you know, run for two minutes as hard as you can. And then you can walk or whatever, something like that. Anyway, she was, I was going through this and I was like, it was closer to the end of it. And I was dying. I was like, <gasps> I'm going to die. I can't do this. This is so hard. And she says, she said something to the effect of, allow yourself to be a beginner. It's okay. You know, we, we're here together. We're going we're gonna to be able to do this and you will do this. And I said, yeah, you know, how hard is running? I mean, everybody, for the most part, can do it. You put one foot in front of the other and you go. But it, you, you're still, 
everybody was a beginner. Everybody who was an expert was a beginner at some point. And I have to keep that in mind too. So um, getting control of my thoughts and, you know, not that I've ever completely in control of my thoughts, but I have so much a better handle of my thoughts and how they create my feelings. Um, and that was, I was a total beginner at that. And I still sometimes feel like a beginner at that, but I think I'm, you know, not a, not an infant. I'm more of a toddler now. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. But yeah, you nailed it. Being, um, having that ability, that skill set to understand that you're not your thoughts, but that thoughts do create your emotion, your emotions and how you're feeling and then what you end up doing. It's so empowering rather than, like you said, just being on autopilot emotionally as well as autopilot in life. And doing this work together, we call it the work. It's mindfulness work. It's working on your mindset. So many of us don't understand how much control we have because we've been on autopilot for a good 20 years in the thick of life and raising a family and establishing career and all this hard stuff, amazingly fulfilling stuff, but hard stuff where you're not able to be first. So to finally have some time where you prioritize yourself and you work on this skill that you haven't ever really worked on with this kind of focus and feedback. That's the other thing is the fi- in the Finally First Club, in this kind of a uh, online coaching format, in a group, you get a lot of feedback. So you're not just going on your way, believing stuff. <laughs> you're going to, somebody like me is going to ask you, well, why are you choosing to think that? <laughs> and you're like, uh, I don't know. I've been thinking that for 40 years. <laughs> right. And, and you always say also, so what are you making that mean? <laughs> That's a good so- question. So I always find myself asking that. I ask myself that question now. So what, what is that? What am I making that mean? Why do I feel that way? Um, so I've been able to take your advice and your, um, I, you know, I hear, have my little Susie voice in my head that tells <laughs> me <laughs> that, you know, asks me these questions and, you know, challenges me as opposed to just accepting that what, whatever I'm thinking is actually the fact. And it's, it's not necessarily the fact. It is just something I'm thinking. And it may, I, you know, I may, maybe I can change that. And I've, sometimes I say, well, how about if I think about it this way? You know, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it does. And if it's more useful, then you can choose to think that way going forward. Absolutely. And, and one other thing you said that I just love, it's so simple and so good. It's allowing yourself to slow down. Yeah. Yes. And it, that is, I think, I think that's key. Um, we can get so busy in living our lives and doing, doing our jobs and taking care of our house. And, you know, even now with the kids gone, I, you know, I could still fill up my time with all sorts of things and, you know, watch a TV. Scrolling through Facebook, um, but you know that stuff doesn't help with getting con- getting your thoughts under control and figuring out who you are and who you want to be and how you want to show up. Um, so, taking some time to unplug and sit back and think and write stuff down, um, 
however you do it, you know, whether you listen, um, you write, you put something in like a, an app on your phone, or you physically write it, or you type it on your computer, you do a voice dictation, whatever. Um, getting that stuff out makes a big difference. Even just writing down your thoughts sometimes can just start to help you feel better because you understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So when you see them on paper or on the screen, or if you see them outside of your head, it just helps you really understand what it is you're thinking. Absolutely agree. And then I guess I just want to close with one of the things that I've seen so often with people that have um, shared their stories on the podcast and with clients in the group and everything is that so much of the time when we're confused, we completely discount our history, our experience in terms of the clues that it can offer to what we want in the future. Because we're so aggravated and frustrated that we're like, Ugh, can't learn anything there. Got to go here. Got to go forward. Got to go to the shiny object. Got to go to the new book. And again, your story just really illustrates that you kind of were on the right path. What you ended up doing, there were lots of clues throughout your life, what you've always loved to do that helped guide you to this decision where you are much happier and have fulfillment. So I think when there's more appreciation that your path is valuable, your past path is valuable, your experience are valuable, even if right now you're frustrated, there's still something that you can bring to the future and learn from in your past, in your experience, your education, your employment history, and all of it. Um, and I see that with your story too. Does it, does, do you sense that as well? Yes, absolutely. I think, um, you know, my experience in doing service type things and that fulfillment that I knew every time I would do that, that I would get so much more out of it than whatever I was putting into it um, was, was key. And then realizing also that I really kind of like working with numbers and bookkeeping and accounting, you know, um, which, you know, sometimes I would kind of joke and tease myself that, you know, I was kind of a nerd, but um, you know, it's, it's, I've always kind of, I've always enjoyed both of those things. And then to realize, Hey, I can kind of put those two together <laughs> and work for an organization that does great work um, and, and do accounting. <laughs> yeah. It's like, perfect. So I feel amazing. Like I'm making a contribution and doing work that I love. Yeah. And that you have skills to do, right? So it just Absolutely. all came together once you slowed down gave yourself the space and the grace to shine a flashlight on your, li your life, your heart, your wishes, and really what it is that you wanted. So thank you so much, Carolyn, for sharing your story of being stuck and confused, busting through, getting some coaching, finding a program that was a great fit for you, and being open and vulnerable enough to do the work and see what it is that you want. And now you can actually be excited about your life again. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing with us today. I really appreciate your story. Thank you, Susie. I, it was a great time. So good, right? I love what Carolyn said about the importance of slowing down and giving herself grace to be okay with not having all the answers immediately. 
You know I love the whole regret-proofing concept. (laughs) So ask yourself this, what can you learn about regret-proofing your life from hearing Carolyn's story? How aware are you of your feelings about change? This can really weigh into how your experience of your career change progresses. The whole experience can definitely be related to what you think. And then, of course, realize that the way you're thinking is creating that feeling. When you get a handle on those thoughts, another great question to ask yourself if you're feeling any fear or resistance to taking steps to get your career unstuck is a very simple one. Why? Why are you thinking that? Understanding that your thoughts create your feelings, understanding that connection will absolutely change your life. (laughs) Your path to more happiness and fulfillment is so within your reach once you have a solid understanding of what opportunities and possibilities are really out there for you. It starts with your belief that you can do this. Okay, that's it for this episode. As you know, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck about aging, about empty nest, about relationships, about your career, about being compassionate toward yourself, about all of it. It's time to get excited about your life again. Remember, being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be, and I am here to help. This is what you'll learn when you hire me as your coach. Learning the mindfulness concepts are one thing, but when it comes to applying the concepts, that's when you really benefit from coaching. I can help you grow faster. You'll see the connections and insights more clearly. And we laugh a lot too, because you learn to be more curious and compassionate with yourself. It's so good and it's such a beautiful gift. Ready to get started? Perfect timing. Head over to www.iamfinallyfirst.com and join my monthly coaching membership the Finally First Club. It's your one-stop shop for all things midlife coaching, community, and connection. And we are waiting for you so we can all grow together. For show notes and links, head over to www.coachwithsusie.com. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. <music>